0: I'm Rihanna Dillon and this is the guru Creating action to capture your audience is vital to film, TV, and games, whether it's a challenge which brings a gamer back to play level after level, or a film action sequence that shoots adrenaline into the heart of a story. We brought together Catherine Woolley, a games designer whose credits include Alien Isolation and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, with stunt coordinator Gary Powell, who's worked on six James Bond films, plus both the Harry Potter and Bourne franchises. Catherine and Gary sat down to talk about their work designing engaging action. Here is an extract of their chat, starting with the simple, what is your job? Games is always hard to describe because people generally think they know what you do. So usually I just say to my nan or parents or uncles or stuff like that, that um, I make the games that you see. I never really go into much detail because it kind of gets overcomplicated and... They get a bit lost. I know I've been asked in the past like, oh, do you put them on like tapes? <laughs> yeah, I kind of just say oh, you know, I make games you know, oh, did you see that game that came out? If it was in the news or something like that, I make things like that. Kind of just keep it. You think
1: your just playing games 24-7 yeah, yeah? yeah,
0: so much. Oh, do you play games? Oh, have you played this game? And that's not what I do. <laughs> yeah. I have to think about things, be creative. Of course, playing games is actually a big part as a designer, but um you don't generally tell people that as well because they'll think you just doss about every day.
1: For me, trying to describe it is probably every health and safety law out there, we break, we jump out of buildings, we set ourselves on fire, we break the speed limits, we climb up buildings without no safety rails or anything like that. So, you know, when you sort of describe that to them, they're sort of like, oh, well, that must be really dangerous. It's like, yeah, but that's what our job is. It, it, as a stuntman, it is dangerous. That's why you have a job, you know, it's something that... The actor can't do or normal people can't mm. do. So, you know, we are the ones jumping out of buildings and they're like, oh, right, oh, that seems really cool. And it's like, most of the time it is, but it's not as glamorous as what mm. most people think it is. Do
0: you then find that family members are worried about your job? With no,
1: movies? for me, not because my dad was a stunt man, my uncle's a ah. stunt man, my brother's a <laughs> stunt runs man, my <laughs> girlfriend's a stunt woman, my um, <laughs> daughters are definitely not going to be stunt people because I would be worried sick. Um, but no, it was pretty much. For us, it was a normal sort of job. Mm. So, Mum used to get a little bit worried every now and then. She'd, she sort of, she wouldn't ask me what I was doing on a day, but she asked me how it was at the end of the day. She's Aww. like, I'm glad you didn't tell me you was doing that. <laughs> um, but I've been sort of brought up with it. So to me, it's a pretty normal job. I've, I actually find my job, say, easy. When I see people doing like nine to five jobs, I find those really hard. I, I, I don't think I could ever do those at all. Gaming. I mean, your vision is... Realistically, probably a load of geeks sitting around the table, um, Not far with computer from that screens, sometimes. games, and just playing all day long, and just making it as complicated for us people as possible for us to get to the next level. Um, that's sort of what I'd assume when you sort of hear people designing games. I know there's a lot of motion capture stuff that goes into mm. getting the some of the action stuff and all that, because we've done that. But generally, it's a load of people sitting around the table playing video games all day. You Sorry. could you could say it, you could <laughs> say it's similar
0: to that. I mean. Y- you know, the kind of stereotypical geeks that you think make games, you do get a lot of that. Mm. I mean, it's a very male-dominated industry to work in. And we have lots of people that sit around and play the game we're making on all day. And Mm. there'll be testers who will be making sure they can find every single bug possible so that when it comes out to the audiences out there that they don't have the issues that we create them. Mm. Although as a designer, it's kind of more paper-based at the start, we'll kind of think things out, maybe go off a few ideas from like a creative director or something like that and then carry that through each stage so prototyping and testing it and lots of playtesting but in a way to figure out if what you're making is fun mm-hmm. and if people will enjoy it.
1: That's interesting. I mean, I know there's a lot more in it, but just so I think, as a general public sort of mm. view, I think it's like people sitting around. Oh, table, yeah, and it's, it
0: is generally what most people think. But like um, the studio I used to work at, we had a motion capture studio, mm. um, which was like a giant kind of little warehouse near mm-hmm. a train station, and they'd hire it out to other people to use it because a um, whole motion capture studio is a pretty kind of big thing to have somewhere and from
1: start to finish like if you've went today right I've come up with an idea f- for a game how long would that then take to actually come out in a box on a DVD or a, a download in a box or on well, a, a download yeah. nowadays well I mean
0: I suppose it, it really differs so I do um, these things called game jams mm. which can be like making a game in a weekend Right. so you get like a theme and then you have 48 hours to try and make a game in that time Right. I love doing that I've done nearly 30 of them in like 9 years A game could last anything from, like, you might spend six months making it, or you could spend three, five years. It really differs, um, depending on the game, usually, or the size of the team.
1: And does, like, the new, say, the new Xboxes and PlayStations that are coming out then make your job harder because there has to be so much more detail or a lot more information put into the program?
0: It does, and especially, like, um, when a new console comes out, they'll have, like, an array of new features, and you're kind of like, oh... We really needed to use these so people can like utilize the best things of the console. When we, I was working on Alien Isolation, mm. while we were working on it, we were working on the last-gen consoles, so Xbox 360 and PS3. But then we were then developing it for Xbox One and PS4. And Xbox One came with a Kinect, which has got cameras in it and microphones. And one of the things we were like, oh, well, what can we add to it? to? to help heighten the experience for Alien Isolation. And there's a feature that you can turn on, so when you're playing the game, if it hears any sounds, the alien can hear the sounds as well. So for people who are likely to scream, that's like the worst scenario for them because the alien will hear them come and kill them. Things like that are sometimes challenges, but then can make a better game at the end of the day as well.
1: I'll say the virtual reality headsets are now sort of the next big... We've used those a few times, like in the motion capture worlds, where we can put them on and we can see the set we can literally stand in a room like this and look around and you could be looking out over mountains or planets, and I'll see that's now the next sort of big step in gaming. but how far do you think you're away from say games becoming sort of intelligent, where they can react a lot more to your feelings or stuff like
0: that um, I think like I had no idea that you'd use are in that Mm. kind of sense I think that's great because finding out about all the different applications that people are using for virtual reality is really interesting Mm. because from a gamers perspective we just think of it as okay we've got to make a game we need to think of how we can make it interesting how we don't make people feel sick when they're in it and what kind of experiences lend themselves to that style of world because of course normally you wouldn't be fully immersed in a world you'll just have it in front of you but um, I think there's definitely a lot more you can play with when it comes to using virtual reality, because because they are within that space, you can, you can kind of mess with them a lot more. Mm. So by using audio, especially I suppose if it's something that's horror-focused or maybe more emotional, we can do things through sound effects and music to try and get them in the right frame of mind. So there's so much we can do with virtual reality. I mean, it's, it's still really new mm. um, for us, even though some people have been making games in it for, I don't know, a couple of years now already. I think it'll be interesting to see how it kicks off. Okay, so you're a stunt coordinator. Correct. At first I was like, oh, stunt man, yeah, you'll be jumping around and doing things, going out of buildings, setting yourself on fire, I don't know, using fake glass, having fight scenes. But I guess because you're a coordinator, you're going to be managing that as well. Correct. So I would guess maybe hiring people, because you'll probably know the best people who are stunt people, Mm -hmm. and you can handpick them and be like, they'd be great for this. Um, I guess you... Probably have to pick people based off their likenesses as well to actors.
1: For Dublin, correct, yes. Yeah,
0: but then now that I know that you also use virtual reality, like that's something I, I wouldn't have thought of, <laughs> I guess as well you need to be able to have no fear. Um, I don't know, if you're doing the stunts yourself.
1: I used to be a stuntman yeah. when I was younger. Don't bounce as good now, so I a stunt <laughs> coordinator. The fear thing is actually a question we get asked quite a lot, and to me a stunt person a good stunt person has to have fear to be able to eliminate the danger. Mm. If I sort of picked, found someone, they're like, oh, I'm fearless, whatever, I'll jump out the building. Okay, you'll jump out the building, but you're not seeing what could go wrong. You know, okay, I'm going to jump through this window. Okay, well, do we need to make the window a breakaway? Do we, what are you landing on? You, you have to have a fear to eliminate the danger. And then it's also quite a buzz that if, if you are sort of, say, frightened of something and you beat it, it's a, it's a good buzz, mm. you know, so even when I used to do stunts, you know, I'd sort of say yes to something and then be sitting there on a the day going, why the fuck did I say yes <laughs> to these? Um, but then when you do it and the buzz afterwards, it, it was a really, it was a real good sort of rush. So, you know, it's, it's a good feeling. But as a coordinator, pretty much like you with the design of games, mm. we have a lot to do with the design of the action of the film. For instance, Casino Royale, myself and Martin Campbell, the director, come up with all the free-running stuff at the start of that, which was jumping off the cranes onto the building. That was designed from us from the ground up, literally in the script. It was like, you know, Bond sees the bad guy and there's a foot chase. And we sort of come up with the rest of it.
0: So I guess then a lot of your work will be going over scripts?
1: Going over scripts, you know, looking for locations, because sometimes in a script there'd be a chase scene, Mm. but they're like... Don't worry about it, it's just a placeholder, but that's there is a chase scene there. What it is, we're not sure about yet. You know, it could be a foot chase, could be a car chase, could be a bike chase. It depends on what sort of flavour of the month at the time, you know, and then you find locations, and then the locations are sort of tell you what you could do there as well. You know, you'll come to a building like this and that, like, oh then, you know, this would be great. we we'll have run across the roofs, we can jump from building to building to building. The set or the location will sort of tell you what's what can be done there.
0: So I guess you might get ideas in your head when you're reading it and be like, oh it would be amazing if we could do this, get there and be like oh okay, well we can't do this but we can do this Exactly. and so it's kind of maybe on your toes coming all, up yeah, with things it's,
1: it's, it's the planning of it, you know what, what is involved, you know, we recently done a car chase in Rome, you know, and Rome's Rome it's thousands of years old You know, and we've got all these permissions to do these car chases and on some of the roads we were doing 130 <laughs> mile an hour and one of the roads we was going down was towards the Vatican. And, you know, the film commissioner there, Roberto, super nice guy, dripping with sweat every single night we was filming. He was like, whatever you do, don't hit that building. (laughs) (laughs) Because you'll never be seen again, you know. So it's, it's putting things in place to ensure that you know we can do this safely. We we do test somewhere else, show them look, you know, this is what the cars are gonna be doing. There's one particular steps that we wanted to go down that are hundreds of years old and I you know, I really wanted to go down them. So we had to put fake steps over the top of them. Oh to protect to them. To protect them but still make it look like the original steps, you know, and then obviously once we finished our job is when it's everything's taken away, there's nothing there to say that we've been there. I'm like Top gear who left black marks all over central London. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a lot of sort of thought process that going into the before's, the shooting the, and the afters to make you know, to make sure that really most importantly everyone walks away safely. Secondly that the action looks great and then afterwards that, you know, if we ever wanted to go back there we there like, let us come back with open arms rather I mean, you know, there's no way you're ever coming back here. <laughs> okay, so my first stunt job, I was ten years old, took a day off school. <gasps> <That's laughs> um, it was actually in the Carry On series. I used to do these half-hour TV series mm. years ago. And I was literally, I just went down for the day and my dad, my uncle and my brother were working on it. It was a medieval scene. And the actor who was there couldn't ride the horse too good. And as a 10-year-old, I was the same size. So they sort of plunked me in the armour, plunked me on the horse and did this jousting up and down this this tilt and that for the shot I think I got paid like £35 for it which as a 10 year old I felt like oh, I was yeah. a millionaire <laughs> went and bought myself a 10 year racer and that was my introduction to the stunt world as a 10 as a year old kid which I thought was amazing
0: did you think you always kind of wanted to do that as a kid well the whole
1: family my whole yeah, family of stunt did people so I was sort of a little bit reluctant to follow along for quite a long time, I was actually more interested in the special effects. Oh, OK. You know, the models and building models and blowing things up, which as a kid, that's what everyone, every boy wants to do. They just want to blow things up. So for years, I was really into that. used to go down to studios and help make things and stuff like that. Then as I sort of got older, it was a sort of natural path for me to fall into.
0: These days, games aren't saying that you can just walk into Mm -hmm. whereas like they used to have the kind of the bedroom coda days as they're described usually where people would just make games on the spectrum and atari and stuff like that i ended up going to university Uh, i did a games design degree i didn't know what i wanted to do at the time i had no idea before university what i wanted to do either i was one of those kids that just loved playing games thought they were all made in japan and thought they were all programmed, because the internet wasn't massive. So, like, that information was not out there. It is now, nicely. But, um, yeah, straight out of university, uh, within, like, three weeks, I had a job at Electronic Arts. So they make, like, FIFA and other big games, like Battlefield well um but I worked on something really small but also really interesting which was interactive books for kids on the DS so it was trying to encourage children to read and was really interesting so it was things like Enid Blyton, Artemis Fowl, Percy Jackson and just working on these children's books and trying to add interactivity into them to make them interesting for a child to want to pick it up and read it on their DS instead of read it like from an actual book.
1: But not asking how long that was a go, because I don't want to give your age away or anything like that, but <laughs> since that started, how has it sort of jumped in technology and all that? I'm sure oh, it's Oh, well, like so like,
0: I mean, I, I've only been in the industry for seven years, might be coming on to eight but now. But it's the, the jump But yeah, it, ha- it has changed quite a bit, because like, when I started, um, like, the Nintendo DS was fairly new. No, it wasn't. It wasn't fairly new. It was actually fairly old, thinking about it. Um... And we were working on the last generation of consoles after that, so I worked on Harry Potter games. So that was like Xbox 360, uh, Xbox 360, and uh, PS3. So, like, I suppose now the consoles aren't as like really rigid and strict mm-hmm. because you had to be really careful with what you were making. Now they're a lot freer with like Xbox One, PS4. Like as I said, you know, they add new elements to the consoles, but it just makes our lives easier because we can cram so much more into them. But of course, with um, mobile phones being more popular now uh, for a gaming space they're then also really demanding so it's almost like we're advancing and then like not advancing mm-hmm. if that makes sense but it's also good to have people have limitations when they're trying to make things as well
1: and as, is it what you expected it to be or different?
0: like that first job was so different because I was uh editing pdfs Mm -hmm. of children's books like i had no idea what i'd be doing if i was in games that was just like oh wow this is so not what i thought it would be but it was also really nice and really relaxed as well then onwards it was then more what i thought it'd be like because then i was working on like third person action adventure games and first person games i always say to people that no matter what project it is you should have some enthusiasm towards it Mm -hmm. because if that someone's going to give you a chance to make something whatever it is you should give it a go. And then you find out if you like it or not.
1: I mean, for me, you have to be passionate about what you do to be good at it. Mm. Um, yes, we've all got our own money, but you have to take the financial side away from something. And then, you know, if you can find a job that you're passionate about, it then, then doesn't become a job. And I'm sort of pretty lucky that my job most of the time isn't a job. I'm just having fun doing some real cool stuff so that to me it would be the advice to say anybody in the stunt person out there is do it for the right reasons do it because you want to make a difference you want to see yourself up on screen doing something spectacular something that people are going to remember like, oh I remember that person he did that jump off the dam or he you know he did that skydiving sequence or he did this that to me is that's my greatest reward is not the financial side of it is mm. a director coming up to me at the end of the day going that was a great stunt that means more to me than anything else. So that was, to me, it's the passion, is the number one key to doing a good job.
0: See, I'd say it's kind of similar in games as well. I always say to people, like, be enthusiastic, care about everything, don't just think about money. Mm. Because it is a thing that, like, a lot of people think about. They'll be like, oh, I should get into games because there's so much money in it. Mm. But, you know, there's also so many other people in it. And if you don't have that enthusiasm towards it, and if you're in the mind track that, you'll do a degree, leave university and get a job, that's not generally how it, how it actually is.
1: Well, I think it also you see it in the end result, because if someone doesn't care about something... Oh, yeah. ..the, the little, the little cross in the T's and dot in the I's really do stand out at the end, you know. And it, it, you know it's, it's say, like, you know, we're in this room, if someone didn't paint the walls and windows properly, <laughs> you'd notice it, because it'd, be like, it'd be smudged, you know, so someone takes care of their job, and then I think it's the biggest... Impact is, is if you're passionate and you care about something, the end product will always be good. Mm. If if you're there just for the money, and that's all you're thinking of, the end product won't be that good. <coughs> sort of best and worst interview were probably the same the same job. I was actually when I first started coordinating uh, my first proper big, uh, you, you know, as you go from a, a performer. To coordinate, you do like little TV shows, you do music videos, stuff like that. And then I I was lucky enough to get my first proper big budget film was Alexander with Oliver Stone. Mm -hmm. So I've now got to go and do an interview with Oliver Stone, and I'm thinking, all the directors in the world, (laughs) I get my first interview with it's Oliver Stone. You know, so I go into into the interview, and he's like, he's a super nice guy, and he's talking to me, and I had this complete mind blank of the films he'd done. So you know, and he's going through. How he wants to film, you know, you know, he wants it all like you know, in camera as much as live action as possible, no CG. I mean, like, yeah, no problem. That's fine. That's fine. He's like, because you've seen all my films before, ain't you? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, can't you name me in my films? I was like, no. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, there's no way I've got this job. I've just <laughs> done it straight away. So he's like, oh, okay, right, but. I walked out and I'm thinking, well, that's it. But he actually really liked me because I was sort of honest with him, you know, and obviously I said the right things about the action that we was going to do. And, you know, when he did ask me about his films, I was just honest enough to say, you know, no. And as I walked out, I was like, oh, yeah, JFK, this, that. But (laughs) when I was sitting there, I had a complete mind blank. So, you know, I suppose a word of advice going into an interview is sort of do your homework with who you're actually... Which I did, but I just... I actually had a mind blank so try and avoid the mind blank thing but that was sort of probably the best and worst one right at the same time because it put me on the path to where I am now
0: yeah like I mean I guess because films can have I don't know films can have I guess quicker turnarounds than games mm-hmm. the amount of time you spend on them so like although being in games for like seven years I've only had three different jobs mm-hmm. and I don't know like Everyone has that in interviews, like that whole mind blank thing. Because it's always the thing of when you leave an interview, you're just like, oh, why didn't I mention that? Or why didn't I give this as an example? You know, I've had like one bad interview, but I kind of I knew in the interview that I was way too nervous mm-hmm. and that I wasn't coming across great. Um, but then I've had other interviews where, I don't know, I've been kind of unsure and been like, oh, do they like me? Oh, do they think I'm a good fit? And I don't know, for, for games, I'd say, You need that enthusiasm you need to you definitely do your homework Mm. because before you know you've got some game designer who's been in the industry for like 15 years that you're talking to so i always do that like i'll always be like okay i'll I'll look them up on the internet of course for games it's kind of a little bit harder sometimes Mm. because credits for games are usually put on the internet as a like a user content thing and so you really have to look them up and try and find things out but yeah generally doing your homework is a good thing and trying to be as good as possible, always maybe have examples of your work to show. I don't know if you
1: can... You can do the same. You yeah. do the
0: same. I guess you have like a portfolio of work and you can You're be like... That, you've got
1: your credit list. They look at that when you come into... Each film is different. Mm. You know, you could actually do three or four films that are also the same genre, like a spy film shooting that thing, but they'd be completely different in each sort of genre. So, you know, directors or producers will look through your credits and go, well, mm. look, he's done this sort of stuff. We like what he does. Or it could be a complete mismatch, you know. It could be sort of some sort of Western. It's like, well, I don't really eat Westerns, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? So they sort of have a look to do their homework as much as you do yours. Yeah, theirs.
0: which is always good when an interviewer's actually done homework, too, as mm. opposed to just the interviewee. But um, I guess the weirdest thing that I had in an interview, like, it was my first interview, so for my first job, I'd, like, I'd prepared so much. I was living in Wales at the time, so I'd kind of come over to... It was in Surrey. Um, I had like a little portfolio ready that I'd made, which was just videos of things I made at university, mm. and like it got to the near the end of the interview, and I was like, "Oh, do you want to look at my show reel? And he was like, "No, it's okay." And I was like, "Shit, did that go really badly then?" <laughs> but no, I got the job, so I was like, "Okay, that's fine." I didn't just spend hours making that show reel. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think like one of the for me advice to someone: just be yourself. Mm. Don't pretend to be something you're yeah. not. Just be yourself. Be honest. I think that pays off.
0: Yeah, because ultimately if you're not yourself in the interview, they'll find out what you're exactly. really like anyway, so there's no hiding it.
1: No, exactly. So just sort of, just be yourself. And yeah. if you forgot, just like, oh, I forgot. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we have interns in games. We don't have assistants. You have like assistant producers and things like that, but it's not really a, an introductory role that comes up that much. And internships is actually quite a new thing in mm-hmm. the games industry. So not that many companies actually do it, which I think is a shame because like, a lot of people will be leaving university, for example. They'll look at all the jobs out there and they will be like lead designer, lead environment artist, senior producer and things like that. It can be a little bit daunting for people. I usually say just apply anyway, because if they're looking for work, maybe they could get you know, a junior person in. Because sometimes a company can accommodate for that, especially if someone sounds really good or they look really good on paper or they sound really enthusiastic. Yeah, internships are are hard because I think in the earlier days of the games industry, an internship was you were making tea for people, which of course is not what it should be. Um, But then there's also complications in the, you know, if someone's an intern and they're potentially being paid by the government as well as the company, sometimes they're not allowed to actually physically work on the game itself Mm -hmm. and they're not allowed to be scheduled time because they should be learning about everything enthusiasm once again like looking for any opportunities that arise that they could help out with so like keeping an eye on things and being like oh i could help you do this or do you want me to do that
1: i think it's across the board it's the same thing as you said i think it's just the enthusiasm that someone shows you know flipping to my side we have three in england we have three levels you have a probationary stuntman an intermediate stuntman and a full member. Technically, the probationers are, say, the interns. They have to do their seven qualifications to get on the register, then they've got to try and go around and get work. We do a thing called observation days, where we bring people down to the studios where we're working, and they just can spend, like, a day with us or two days with us. Just seeing what the team are doing. You know, we could be in a warehouse rehearsing fights, planning the next stunts for the rest of the film. So it's just seeing what we do. So it's just watching their reactions because a lot of the time it is really boring. You know, it's not all crash bang wallet, high energy stuff. You know, we could be sitting around for hours just planning out and talking about it. You know, what can we do? How can we make this better? So it's really just seeing what their attention span is. You know, like a really good person to me is someone who's paying attention. And watching, You know, if you're looking around and you're seeing them sitting there playing on their phones, then they're not paying attention Mm. to what you're talking about. And if, you know, if you're describing, for me, like a stunt where there's crucial timings involved and they're not paying attention and they miss it, they could hurt themselves or they could hurt someone else. There's someone then I wouldn't want around me. So really, I think, to be a good intern, as we would call it, is really just your enthusiasm and pay attention. And if, you know, if the coordinator's on the set always keep your eye on them. So if they do turn around, because a director might change his mind about something and want something, I'll have to turn around and call someone. If, if you can turn around and that person's there ready, it just makes everything happen a lot quicker.
0: Mm. Not being mean to kids. Like, mm. attention spans are getting worse. So I suppose making sure, as an intern, that you aren't... In games, we're constantly at computers. Um, so making sure maybe you don't have a YouTube video up while you're working. Mm. Sure, you might be listening to it, but, like, if you actually have it visible on the window, that doesn't always give a good representation to what you're doing to like senior members of staff if they're walking you're through the concentrating. office. Yeah. Sure they, they might work better if they're listening to something and doing something, but maybe like minimise the window mm. and just try and have attention towards everything, like even the smallest things like people will pick up on. So
1: I mean my my sort of big thing is, you know, especially say for my side of it is when we're doing stuff, you know, we're playing with people's lives, mm. you know, designing a stunt. We're asking people to do dangerous stuff. Not everything's life-threatening, say, you know, you know, serious, dangerous stunts, you know, falling off the back of the chair, no big deal, running down a road, jumping over same fine, but jumping out the building, setting yourself on fire, car crashes, things like that could result in an injury if something goes wrong. And you want people to pay attention when you're talking about this stuff. So you minimise the sort of risk of an injury. There's sort of two sides to say the film world. There is the glamorous side that everyone sees and there is the side that the people don't see. And for me, the hardest part of my job is actually being away from my family for sort of months on end. I can literally go away for four, four, five, six months and not see me family because we're halfway around the world or something like that. So to me, that is really the hardest part. If you sort of take that away from it, you know, we do do long hours. You know, we can average 14, 15-hour days quite easily, you know, up at silly o'clock in the morning, not getting home till sort of 9, 9.30 at night, sort of six, seven days a week sometimes. So that, again, is hard. It is quite a stressful job because, you know, there's a lot of money involved. Again, there's people's lives involved, so there's a lot of thought process. You know, your brain never really switches off even when you go home at night, you're driving home thinking about the next day or thinking about the next week or how you can make this stump better, how you can do it safer. So, you know, there's a lot of stress that can go into your job. But I would say my number one downside of this industry is you can spend months away from your family.
0: So I think games are similar. They're not as harsh. <laughs> I mean, firstly, your life's not in danger mm. unless you overwork yourself, of course, in games, uh, which you can then make yourself ill. And you won't generally be completely away from your family Mm. but um we like to use the term crunch which Mm. is a bad thing in games so yeah spending maybe 12 13 hours a day in the office uh we won't have such early starts Mm. but um some companies will do crunch and it will just be that it's late in the project stuff needs doing and if you don't dedicate the time to it one people might not then think you're dedicated Mm. you might be questioned to why you're not putting all the effort in and then you know Sometimes if you really care about a project, though, you want to put that in. So you want to put those tiny little details in. Sure, someone might not notice it, but you'll be happy with what you've done. And so, yeah, in games, you're kind of similar in that you're always thinking about work, work's, like, constantly on your mind. You'll be going home, but you'll be thinking about what you could fix the next day to make (coughs) it better. Um, Because ultimately, like, as a designer, like, I'll own pieces of games, and I'll want people to like it. Mm. And, like... You're very kind of opinionated and perfectionist on your own work. So you just want to get everything to the right level that you want. And sometimes the schedule won't permit for you to be able to do that within normal working hours. I look? think that
1: comes back to, again, like the passion yeah. and the care about the job. You know, you do, you know, and it's the same, you know, you're, we work, technically, you know, we work five day weeks. Mm. And if you have the weekend off, you can guarantee you'll find yourself thinking about the job over the weekend for that exact reason of how can I make it better? Yeah. What, what's the audience going to like? So when they're sitting there, they're like, wow, this is amazing, you know? So you never really switch off to it when you're on a job. You're there sort of 24-7.
0: I suppose as well, though, is it then heightened, like the sense of like trying to make things perfect because you might only have one or two attempts? At least in yeah, how I'm I mean, your job us, is. mean, for us, you know,
1: sometimes, you know, we have stunts that are literally like a one-off. Yeah. For various reasons, you know, it could be a set that's getting blown up and it would cost absolutely millions to rebuild it or something, you know, is quite risky and you'd only want to sort of try it once. But again, there's a lot of planning that goes mm. into that and it is just that sort of, it's that perfectionist in people that care about it and that are passionate about it, that they always want to try and do the best they can where it looks great and everyone goes home, you know, that's the, that to me mm. is, the, is the best stump where something it looks good but everyone goes home, then you, you, it's a win-win. Again, it really does go down to the passion, you know. If if you really want to be a stuntman, really do it for the right reasons, not you know, not for the bragging rights down the club at the weekends (laughs) or something like that. Um, Because to me, it's like it's a great. I I love my job. It's it's a fantastic job. You know, you do travel to parts of the world that you would generally never go to as a tourist, or you, you would go there. You know, you see some amazing places, you meet some amazing people. That side of it is. Unbelievable. So I think to be a good stuntman, you know, I say you've got to have really good common sense to sort of do the stuff we do. I wouldn't say fearless would be a good one, but, you know, definitely common sense, really care about what you do. And, you know, if you've got a a trade where, you know, free running's quite a good thing now, we sort of specialise in parachutists or really good motorbikes, motorbike riders, really good car drivers, you know, they can come in because we use those, you know, a good all-round stuntman is really good because then you'll work on more stuff.
0: Mm.
1: So I always said that sort of stuff.
0: Um, so, yeah, once again, enthusiasm and passion, that kind mm-hmm. of comes into one kind of thing. Um, so you definitely need that to be a, a good designer. I'd say, like, people skills are always good. Mm-hmm. Of course, generally for any job, people skills are good, being able to work with other people. But um, as a designer, you'll be working with every other member of the team, basically. So the audio designers, environment artists, um, animators, programmers, Mm. try not to leave out any departments, production, VFX artists. So like, you'll be working with everyone because you'll be using their amazing work that they're doing to make your levels or the whole game really stand out. So you need to be able to keep up with everyone, make sure everyone's doing things that they should be doing, not in as much detail as what a producer would be doing Mm -hmm. within games. Um, But you kind of want to keep an eye on it yourself anyway, just to make sure. So people skills are a a massive thing as a designer. And then a third thing, I would say, like playing other games. Mm -hmm. So have a a general idea of what else is out there, because not only is it good to know what everyone else is making, sometimes you might see something that's really good as like a game mechanic Mm -hmm. within the most obscure title out there that maybe no one else has ever seen. Mm -hmm. And you could maybe use that and work on it to, to build a really good... And I mean also, just game? from our
1: side, you know, when you're the coordinators, like, just a good imagination, mm. just as, you know, a director comes come to you with an idea of, like, you know, I want to do this sort of scene, what could we do there that'll make it a really cool action scene? So it's, it's having the imagination exactly the same as in your world. Mm. It's like, you know, what can we design that's going to be really cool that people are going to want to see? So that's definitely up there with Yeah,
0: um, I mean, actually saying that, like, not just games as well, look at everything else, because it's good to look at film, mm-hmm. and it's good to look at, I don't know, books as well, um, and any other form of media, really, because mm. they can have things that you might not usually think about. Like you were saying earlier, I'm trying to think if that's when we were just chatting, how you might look at games yeah. from your perspective, because...
1: Well, I look at games because they, they approach things from a totally different mm. world. Like, you know, When we approach things from our world, we're looking at it from a sort of human-based what can a human do even though yes we go off into superhero films or stuff like that where we can use cg the gaming world approaches it from they their sort of boundaries are sort of a lot Mm -hmm. wider than what ours are so sometimes i can go there and actually find some really good ideas that i could then put into our world
0: like i'll definitely watch films and we'll look at films and whether that's looking at really interesting moments i mean Heck, working on Alien Isolation. Mm. We just had the original alien film running on a loop in the office constantly. So you just, well, it would always happen to be the uh, chest burster scene, would be there at the time when you turn to look. Like, just films in general are a massive influence mm. to games. So.
1: It's funny, I also used to look at uh, pop videos quite a lot oh, as yeah. well, because it was just some of the stuff in there they used to use, especially more the sort of 90s pop videos where they were sort of so much bigger. There used to be some good good stuff in there, like locations they use, oh, yeah. so some of the camera techniques as well they use were sort of quite advanced. So I used to look at quite a lot of those.
0: We'll just look at anything. I mean, of course, it depends on the style of game that you're mm. you're creating to what you're going to look at and gather research from, and then like the world outside as mm. well.
1: I mean, Jamie, what we do is you know when we get. We're on a job, we we'll have the script, I'll sit down with a director, he, he'll give me his brief on what he sees the film and certain set pieces of how he sees them, then I'll go back to my core team, then go over that, his ideas, my ideas, what they are. And then basically we just throw everything in the hat, you know, and sort of rule of thumb is there is no bad idea. Mm. Even if someone sort of says a silly idea, someone could sort of go, no, don't do that, but what if we used to do this? You could always get a good idea from a bad idea. So it's basically like when we're starting off, throw everything in the hat, put mm. more in there than we need, and then we can start picking through it and pick out the best stuff, and hopefully that's what ends up on the screen. <laughs> My proudest moment is definitely the opening to Casino Royale. First Daniel Craig film. It was great in many ways because the press were giving Daniel a bit of a hard time for being the blonde Bond <laughs> and all that. It certainly put me on the map doing a James Bond film. It realistically is the ultimate stunt man's job mm. or coordinator's job. So there was a sort of lot of pressure there for us and um, myself, Martin Campbell. We sort of went through all the stuff and we designed the opening sequence of all the free running with the cranes and all that and we basically we went out to the Bahamas where the location was and it was just a derelict building and we walked around it went back to the studios at Pinewood we had a, sort of a model built of the construction site and then we put sort of cranes in there and like we put cranes in we take cranes out we put girder work in we take it out and we just played around for ideas for a few weeks until we come up with the end result you know when we was filming it it felt good and when we did the big jump which is one of the Big sort of point to that is we wanted to do it for real and all in one shot. And when we filmed it, it sort of looked great and it felt good, but it wasn't until it sort of came out of the audience Mm. and you're, you know, and I sort of purposely go to, you know, you go to a premieres and everyone claps, it's great, but I'd also go to like a normal public viewing just to sit there and see what the audience's reactions are. And when you hear their comments, then I know I can can smile and I can sort of (laughs) relax because I've done my job. So it's not until like the audience actually accept it that I feel like the job, but that to me is my biggest, that was my biggest reward.
0: One of my favourite things that I've worked on, so Alien Isolation was, I think it's the biggest chunk of my life that I've spent on one game. And I love the team that I worked with, they're such amazing people, and they put the first proper alien encounter in the level Mm -hmm. on me. It was the first time the player had the motion tracker, so you could see where the alien was within the level, but of course within a short distance like Mm -hmm. there is in Alien and Aliens. Just having that on my shoulders, I guess, Mm -hmm. because if that experience goes wrong for people, they might stop playing Mm -hmm. and just trying to create a level that works for the alien because it had certain senses within the game. So it's quite a clever AI. It was amazing to work on. And I suppose in a similar way, like you're kind of going to the cinema and seeing if people enjoy things. Alien was like the first time I got a proper chance for that because we have a thing called Twitch. I don't know if you've seen like, it at all. It's like a streaming service. Right. You could then watch people play the game. So, of course, prior to that, you might be able to go to a game store and hear people talking about a game or talk to other people, but you wouldn't really get to see someone playing it. So when the game came out, we were all watching all these streams of different people on the internet just playing through the game, seeing people get scared and understand what they're doing. And enjoying it was just a massive like. So is that like, like a Comic Con sort of thing?
1: Really? No, it's just like mm.
0: people across the world. They can just use whatever recording equipment they have in their house and just stream stuff on the right. on the internet. So there's like tons of people playing games on Twitch constantly, mm. all different games. And because Alien had come out, lots of people were then playing it through Twitch. And it's just nice to be able to watch people play it. It can also be frustrating watching people play it because mm. as games are a medium where people can choose to do whatever they want. You might be like, oh, no, why are you going that way? Oh, why aren't you paying attention to this? Or people then paying attention to the, like, tiny, minute details that you put in and finding that really rewarding. Mm.
1: It has to be part of the story. You know, the action scene, yes, it's going to be an action scene, but I think it has to be telling a story as it goes along. If it doesn't, I think the audience detach itself. Mm if the two characters are doing something and all of a sudden buildings start blowing up and whatever and it actually doesn't mean anything in the story, it's like, why is that going on? Whereas if the action, as best as it can be, is part of the ongoing story and is adding to the character, I think it keeps the audience a lot more involved and on the edge of their seat from our side of it.
0: Games, once again, are fairly similar in that you want to be engaging with your audience. You don't want them to be playing along, get bored, start looking at their phone, go off and make a cup of tea, anything like that, Mm -hmm. which is exactly the same for films and you, you kind of want sequences within games to work within the narrative because mm. one of the biggest things that you can have in games is a narrative that feels like it's tacked on to the mm. experience. So having everything just gel together just makes the best kind of moments within games. I suppose the only other thing is trying to, trying to keep the player to have their own control in the game mm. as opposed to like one of the kind of ways of solving it is you have like a cutscene within the game or like Mm. a moment where it's non-interactive and you're just watching it, so like a film. But I feel that the best thing to do is to try and allow the player to have the freedom to still do things Mm -hmm. and hope they're not just going to mess around and go off and not pay attention. Again,
1: we're always trying to, you know, come up with like new ideas, fresh ideas, you know, and there's been thousands of car chases, there's been thousands (laughs) of fight scenes, there's (laughs) been thousands... So it's always just trying to add something to it that's just a little bit different where it can stand out. Makes and then, it feel fresh. Yeah, exactly. And then I think, you know, the audience remembers it and then mm. more people want to go and see it. So, you know, again, keeping it fresh, good imagination, but also, for me, it's telling the story. Mm. From my side, I've obviously come up through my family and my brother's been a big influence on me, but inside the film world, a director called Martin Campbell, who did GoldenEye, Casino Royale quite a few other films he's probably been the biggest influence to me over the years I've worked with him quite a few times and I love the guy's energy he's a little bit older than me I'd say our old years cause a bit in trouble <laughs> um, but the energy he carries and the passion he carries is fantastic and that's one the one thing that's really has rolled over onto me is that passion and energy and it's it's he's definitely someone who I look up to.
0: The games industry is fairly small, so you work with a lot of people again, because mm-hmm. you might go to a different studio and you'll be like, oh hey, I used to work with you years mm-hmm. ago. And there's one person that I've worked with for like almost all of my career. I do not work with him anymore though. And he, was, he wasn't he was really my boss at the start, um, but his name's Gary Napper. so mm-hmm. he's, he's a designer. He's currently a, I might, get it wrong and say, he might be a design director. Um, He's at a company called Supermassive Games now. So, because I was really new and I was like, oh, my contract's really short, I need to try and figure out what game I could try and work on next. So like I started talking to him and asking him for advice and then he kind of introduced me to the right people on the team so I could then talk to them and then they were interested in having me on them. I just kind of had him as like a good back and forth over the years. I worked with him on Alien Isolation as well. I was like, hey, come come here, you really wanna work on this game. Cause he was at EA at the time still. I felt like we had a back and forth of drawing each other to different companies. And he's just been a really good inspiration cause he's always been like a level higher than me in roles. And he's got a lot of experience as well. And I don't know, he was just always good for like giving me advice and giving me feedback. So I think it's nice to have mentors like that.
1: Dream job, realistically, is probably something I'll never get, but I'd love to direct a Bond film. I think that'd be, for me, that'd be amazing. I loved the Bond films ever since I was a kid. You know, the first one I ever see was Diamonds Are Forever, and I've loved them ever since then, and then to actually get the jobs I've had on them is, is like, the best. When I got the job to be a stuntman on them, mm. it was unbelievable. I was driving a tank and <laughs> crashing things and driving over cars around the streets of Russia, that was, like, unbelievable. Then when I actually got the coordinating job at Casino Royale, it was just unbelievable. So, you know, if I could go two steps more, second unit director, and then, you know, I'd have to be really nice to Barbara Broccoli. <laughs> um, if, I could, if I could direct one, that would be amazing. That would be the ultimate dream.
0: It sounds cheesy, but I feel like I am in my dream mm. job. The company I work for, The Chinese Room, I always, like, used to think about them as like, oh, they're such an amazing company. They make these games. that are amazing. I love what they do. And now I work for them, and I'm like... Wow, that's, mm. that's something I wouldn't have thought, but then I could also say that I never thought I'd work on a game like Alien Isolation mm. because it's a first person game, which is in a way a really nice way to deliver a game experience because then the person playing it is in the character's eyes. Mm-hmm. It was a game with the Alien IP, which is an amazing IP out there and needed a really good game. And then it was a horror game as well. And like I grew up with horror mm. and that style of game.
1: It was The Spy Who Loved Me, Rick Sylvester doing the ski jump off the cliff at, in the opening sequence. And I think it was just a perfectly, it was filmed fantastically. The stunt was fantastic. The whole, the music was fantastic. Everything about it was just brilliant. You know, the Union Jack coming out. It was just an amazing stunt that I've always looked at, to me, as this, probably the single best film stunt ever. It will never be beaten. So, <laughs> When I become a stuntman and a coordinator, it was something I always... That's, that's the goalpost, that's, that's the level I've got to beat. You know, I don't think I've ever beat it. I've had my stuff compared to it, which if, if that's happened, that's great, I've, I'm on my way there, or you know, that's, that's as good as I could expect it, but that was something I always looked up to, to sort of go, that's the sort of wow factor that I want to create for the audience.
0: Maybe if you direct a James Bond film one day, you can like uh,
1: definitely, raise that bar
0: definitely. I guess like there's like a large array of things that inspire me because of course not a single person makes a game mm-hmm. you've got whole teams of course there's people that I look up to and I'm like oh they make such amazing games but ultimately I find like Twitter a really big inspiration because mm-hmm. I'll just look at what people are making they could be students they could be they've been working in the industry for 10 years mm-hmm. they might be in their first job and just The level of creativity from everyone out there, I just find really inspiring and I love.